So a couple of years ago, I heard a story by a guy by the name of Stan Toller, and he tells the story of a man who was flying from Atlanta to Dallas. And he got on the plane, and he went down the row, and he found his seat, and uh, he found that his seat was right in the middle, but she, and right beside him, and near the uh, window was a girl, and she had Down syndrome. And so he finds his, his place, he sits down, he puts his stuff where he needs to, and uh, he's getting ready to be comfortable and get on the, you know, just to kind of zone out on the plane. And, and all of a sudden, this little girl just grabs his sleeve and, and starts to yank it. Mister, mister, yes, she says, did, did you brush your teeth this morning? And he's kind of shocked by the question. And uh, he says, uh, yes, yes, I brushed my teeth this morning. She looks just at relief over her face. She says, good, because if you don't, your teeth will fall out. Then the man kind of just kind of agrees and nods and kind of starts to kind of zone again. And all of a sudden, a few minutes later, mister, mister, do, do, do you smoke? And the man looked, you know, kind of stunned by the question again, and, 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 and he said, well, actually, no, I don't, I don't smoke. And she goes, good, because if you smoke, you'll get sick, is what she said. And he said, yeah, that's right, that's right. And so he, he, he kind of finds himself again, and then once again, mister, mister, yes, do you love Jesus? And he was really taken back by that question. And he collected himself. He said, actually, I do. I do love Jesus. And the man just now has a smile on his face and his day has changed. And he gets ready just to kind of absorb what just happened. And uh, a few minutes later, right before they get ready to take off, Mr. Mr. Can you ask the man beside him a question? Because now there was a man beside him. Can you ask him if he brushed his teeth this morning? (laughs) And so the man now is like, I can't do that. What am I going to say? And just the awkwardness of that. And she tugs again, mister, ask him, ask him. And so finally goes, he doesn't grab his shirt. He says, "Uh, sir, this, this little girl over here, she has a question for you. She wants to know if you brushed your teeth this morning. And he said, and that look of like shock and awe that you're asking me this on a plane in front of people, uh, well, actually, yes, tell her that I, I brushed my teeth. And then she leans over and says, good, because if you don't, your teeth will fall out. And then a few minutes go by, and guess what? Mister, would you ask that man if he smokes? And then, you know, he's like, I can't ask that guy that. You know, he's going through the, the dialogue in his mind. I can't ask that guy that question. She's like, Mr., ask him. Ask him. And so, sir, uh, this, this little girl wants to know if, if you smoke. And he said, um, no, I, I, don't, I don't smoke. I used to, but I don't, I don't smoke anymore. And she goes, good, good, because if you smoke, you'll get, you'll get sick. You'll get sick. And you know what's coming, right? Mister, mister, ask that man if he loves Jesus. And now the guy's just feeling extremely awkward. And, I, and he even says, I can't ask him that question. 
That's just it's too personal. I can't do it. Mister, mister, ask him. Ask him. And so finally, he says, sir, um, this little girl has one last question for you. And he, she wants to know, do you love Jesus? And the man starts to just spit out an answer like he had before. And he just stops. And he says, to be honest, I don't. Um, I, I think I want to know what it means to love Jesus. And I've always wanted to know that, but no one's really... No one's really ever told me about it or what that means. And, and I'm actually going through a time right now that I, I really need faith in my life. And so for the next few minutes, as this man was flying from Atlanta to Dallas, he told him about Jesus. And they had a Bible study right in the car. And the little girl was just as happy as can be. Sometimes children have the ability to make things that we make very complex quite simple. They peel away the layers that we've put on things. Colossians is where we're at today. We're in Colossians chapter 1. And as you're flipping there, I want to give you some background. Paul is writing this letter. And it's to the church in Colossae. It's the name of the city there. And, uh, and he's writing to the people there. And he's actually in prison. And to the people he's writing, he's actually never met. This church was, was started by a guy named Epaphras. And Epaphras has come to visit him in prison. And uh, so now Paul is writing a letter in response to that visit and to the people there that they've started a church, they're Gentiles there, and they've started a church, and Paul is kind of overseeing it. And so here's what uh, Paul has to write, and we're going to kind of break it down as we go this morning. He says this, we always pray for you, and we give thanks to God for you, this church in Colossae, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have heard your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people which come from your confident hope hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You've had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. And so what he's saying is, is you've got this hope that's come through the good news, the gospel in some of your translations. What is this good news? What is this gospel? We talk about this in church, sharing the good news. The good news is, is very simply put, it's great news. We were sinners. Every single one of us is sinners. We've all sinned, and we all shake our heads and say, yes, we have sins, okay? We've all sinned, and our sin, it separates us from God. It makes this huge gap between us and God, and God knew that, and so he sent his son to be a sacrifice for our sin. That gap could be erased. We could ask for forgiveness of our sins, and that we can have a relationship with him, that we can live eternity with him forever and ever, and then our sins can be forgiven and relationship restored with him. That's the great news. And if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you fully understand how great news that is. And so these people have, have heard this, this story. They know about Jesus, and they've put their faith in him. And so they're, now they're living it out. They're living out their story and their faith. And so let's keep on reading. The same good news that came to you is, is going all over the world, and it's bearing fruit everywhere. And what's the fruit? What is the fruit of the, this good news? Changing lives. By changing lives, just as, as it changed your life from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. So this is the fruit. When you hear this and you get this, that your life is changed. And that's what we want to be really about as a church. We believe that God changes lives. And when we say reimagine life, that, that life is different when Jesus is a part of it. And he wants to change our, our lives with that. 
So keep reading. You, you learn about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved coworker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened in all of his glorious power so that you will have the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live, catch this, in the light. For he has rescued us from where? The kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Do you remember who told you the good news? Who told you the story? Who, who invited you into this whole Jesus thing, this, this God thing? Because what he's saying is this, Epaphras was the one, because there's a name that goes with the story. Who was the one for you? Epaphras told them, well, who told you? Maybe you want to jot some names down while you were talking, because what I found is there's always a name attached to a story. When I started to think back in my life, there was like a mosaic of people, from my parents to a youth pastor to, to adults and actually another student and then college friends that they began to make an impact into my life and speak the good news of truth into my life. Who was a person that told you? Because there's always a person that's connected. There's always a person that's connected to someone and telling the good news. So jot those things down as we go. Because that's essentially kind of the story of who we are as a church. Our main mission, and we talked about it all morning long, if you've been listening, Garen talked about it. Jesus' last words on the earth is this, go and to make disciples. Our mission is to go make disciples around the world, to tell people this good story, this good news about Jesus, and to let people know that that is our main objective. That's our mission as a church. And to be honest, when I look around this world, and I think if you look around this world, and I think we already know this, there's a ton of brokenness. There's a ton of darkness. And what do I mean by that? Turn on the news. There are people that are living in all kinds of, as we live in evil days, there are things that, that are done and are being done that are just broken hearts and broken marriages and broken lives and families and just shattered dreams all over the place. And people who are feeling the effects of a sin-filled world. And I am absolutely convinced that the answer to that is Jesus. I'm convinced that Jesus is the answer to the darkness, that he is the light that invades the darkness and he brings life. And he changes the narrative, he changes stories, he changes lives, and how does he do that? He changes an angry heart and brings peace. He changes a heart that's full of darkness and evil, and he invades it with that light, and he brings love instead of hate. Instead of resentment and these built-up feelings that are there, there's forgiveness and there's grace because that was what's given to us. And so we reciprocate that to others, changed hearts and lives. That's what Jesus does. And I think, really, that's the only person that can do that to us. And I think we know that. It's good news. There are our students a couple weeks ago, they played uh, this game. Uh, it's called Bubble Soccer. It's hitting, uh, it's becoming the, the cool 
game of choice of sorts. Uh, it's you get in, I know this is complex, you get into a giant bubble and you play sports. Basically, you just, or this is an attempt to, to kind of run around in a giant bubble. And uh, you can bump against people, but you've got all this space and you're insulated and it really protects you well. And it's, I've seen lots of videos and they're pretty funny. Uh, and I, as I'm watching these videos and watching our kids, it just kind of, just have a light bulb moment. Do you ever have one of those? I kind of feel like, this is the problem with what we're talking about, the text this morning. I think everybody, most people in this room know that Jesus is the good news. And it's our main mission in the world to go and tell the world. But we are a people that live in bubbles. We are a people that live in bubbles everywhere. And, and maybe we didn't have such a big bubble when we were a child, when we were kids. But we've built these things up. The culture has told us to build up this safety net around us that says, okay, I just kind of need to do my thing in this bubble, and uh, you know what someone does in their bubble, that's their business. It's not really my business, what they do. And you know, what they believe is, is their beliefs, and you know, what's truth to me may not be truth to them. And my main priority in life, folks, is my safety. That's just the number one thing. And so we have these bubbles, and people only get so close, and, we, and we, we don't even do a very good job, if you saw that picture, of seeing people very well in the world. Now, here's a problem. There's a problem, first of all, that God, that's not who we're supposed to be. There was a video that we um, showed a couple of years ago, and I, it's just been, it popped in my mind this week, and, and maybe you've seen it before, but... Uh, it's this video of a, a, a magician. His name is, 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 I think, Penn Gillette. He's in the magic group Penn & Teller. Have you seen uh, that group before? I've heard him. There's a tall guy that, that talks a lot. He's very funny. And then there's the short guy that never talks at all. And they do different tricks. There they are on the screen. Very large. Um, so they do these tricks. And there is this, this show they do in Vegas. And, and one night after uh, a show, the video talks about it, this man comes up to Penn. And Penn is a known atheist. He, he doesn't believe in God. And so this man comes to the show, and he's come to talk to Penn. And in fact, he, he waits for everybody to leave, and he tells him many complimentary things, and he just spends some genuine time with this, this gentleman and just talks with him back and forth. And the video talks all about it. You can YouTube it later this afternoon, but I wanted to show you just two minutes of that conversation or, or what he said, because Penn talks about it later. How much do you have to hate someone not to tell them? That man, that, when I saw that, that's convicting stuff, folks. I don't know if you saw this, the Pope made news this week. Uh, and let's just take a second to just say, let's take all the politics out of, of, of what was said this week. And I know that might be hard for you to do this week. Because, by the way, if you live a day without politics right now, it's, it's a cleaner uh, living day, Okay. You just feel better about yourself, and I just invite you to do that. He made some, a, a statement this week, and I just want to look at the, the statement that he made. And he said this, a person who thinks only about building walls in their, let's just put in their life, wherever they may be, and not building bridges is not a Christian. This is not the gospel. You catch that? This is not the gospel. The gospel is not about building walls to people and cutting people off. It's about 
going and sharing the good news and building bridges to people. May that be in the United States. May that be around the world and wherever. The relationships that we have are all about building bridges. What are we talking about? We're talking about witnessing this morning. I'm just going to, just a blunt thing here. It's witnessing. And immediately when I say that word, you go, well, that, I'm just not good at that. I, I'm not, that's just not me. That's not my gift. I, don't, I, 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 I stutter when I talk about those kind of things, and I get nervous, and I get my hands, you know, I, I, I just, isn't that for like pastors and paid people and missionaries and things like that? Um, I'm just not that good at it. But can we be honest for a couple of things here, just things that popped in my mind? There's a lot of things that we're not good at. We don't just give up on. You start something, and you're not good at it. When you started riding a bike, were you, bike, were you very good at it? No. When you're, you have a child that first started to eat, were they very good at it? No, the, the, the food just comes out of the mouth everywhere, okay? There's a lot of things that we're not good at. Well, I'm afraid that I might offend someone if I share my faith, if I bring up my story, what Jesus has done for me. I'm afraid that they will reject me. I mean, have you ever said, I've said that before. I've thought those kind of things before. But didn't Jesus say that that should happen if we follow him? And, and here's the bigger question. Isn't it worth the risk? Isn't it worth it? I can't share my faith because I just don't feel like I know enough. I don't feel like that I'm educated enough about the Bible. Have you ever felt that way before? I don't know enough answers. And, and what he's saying to the church in, in Colossae is this. May your faith grow more and more. May your knowledge grow more and more. Did the disciples, remember those guys? Did they know a lot about the story? No, they were uneducated fishermen. And they went out and shared the gospel. And that's the call that we have, to grow in our faith and to go out and to share more. There's this book I've been reading. It's called The Good and Beautiful Community by James Bryan Smith. And he talks about this. You know, a lot of us will say things like, you know, I'm not a witness but the reality is this. We're all witnesses. You're witnessing every single day. Like you're witnessing with what you say and what you do every single day. And people are watching you and they are observing your life and the things that come out of your mouth and they come out of your life and what you produce. And what he, he makes the parallel between what's going on in Col- Colossians there and he says this, that because that, what Paul says is this, your love for all God's people as he's talking about the people there It comes from this confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. And so there's this hope that we have in heaven, in eternity. And that is what feeds our faith and our love. And so James Bryan Smith says it this way. He says, hope is the bridge from the future into the present and the branches of hope that are faith and love. And so here's this hope that we have. We have this hope in eternity. We have this hope for change in today, that, that God is, is not done with us. He's changing lives. And through that hope is birthed love and faith. And love not just like, well, I just have these gushy feelings inside that I need to just go and, and do. It's, it's not that kind of love. It's this agape love that has action behind our faith. So that when someone says and notices that we have this hope in our lives, like 1 Peter 3, 1 Uh, 15 and 16 says, it says this, if someone asks you about this hope, that we would be ready to explain it, that we'd be ready to explain it. So I watched this show, and uh, it's called The Walking Dead, and uh, I know that it's not for everyone. I would absolutely say that. It's not a show for everyone. There is, uh, and I, it's so strange, because 
I am not, uh, like, I would never say I was a person, of, especially a few years ago, that would watch, like, a show about zombies. Uh, but there is something that draws me to the show. I think it draws a lot of people. It's the characters and the relationships within the show itself, okay? And there's one character that I can't stand, okay? And I think it's a character that a lot of people can't stand. It's the preacher, okay? And it's the priest. And the, if you've watched it, there's this, this guy, his name is, is Father Gabriel, and like we just blame the world's problems on Father Gabriel. It's like, Gabriel, it's always his fault. Uh, and it's because this. Um, there are a lot of dark and evil things happening in the world in this zombie-infested place. And what Gabriel has done over and over again is he goes and he hides in the church. He goes and he hides in the church, and, he, and at one point, maybe the, the worst memory for him is when there are people outside that needed help. And he locked the doors, and he stayed inside, and he heard the voices of people that needed help and needed freedom outside in the darkness. And so you're just going, Gabriel, and everyone's Gabriel. But this last week, there was this kind of, sometimes you just watch things and you just have a God moment, even when you're watching zombie shows. Um, there's this horrific uh, kind of, and the whole story of, of The Walking Dead can be described that way, but there's a lot of fighting and, and people that are out in the darkness and they are fighting for their lives. And Gabriel is inside the church again. And there is a group of people and they are praying inside that the, that the Lord would save the city and help the people. And they're praying inside and suddenly Gabriel steps up and he says this, we've been praying together praying God will save our town. And our prayers, folks, they've been answered. God will save Alexandria because God has given us the courage to save it ourselves. And he opens the door and he goes out. He opens the door and he goes out into the darkness. I've got to be honest. I, I think we are fighting for people that are in the darkness and I think we're fighting against ourselves as well because sometimes we're just afraid to go out and fight for people. There's a story that I heard uh, from missionaries uh, from Argentina. Uh, the missionaries' names are Robin and, and Carlos Roddy. And there are missionaries there. This is a picture of their family. And they told the story of, of a woman named Maria Cristina. And Ma Maria Cristina was a woman who... Uh, she uh, was married to a man, and uh, this, they were kind of scraping to get by in life. And they have these two girls uh, there in Argentina. And uh, her husband, he had this great desire in his heart and his life to be rich, to be wealthy. That was like the creme. That was the, what he was striving for in life. I, I want to be wealthy. One day, Maria Cristina uh, goes to the doctor, and she finds out uh, that she's losing her eyesight. And it's beginning to fade away. And she's noticed this. She's, she's not been able to see as well. And so it, the doctor says there's no hope. And in just a short amount of time, you're going to be completely blind. She comes back home and she tells her husband of this news. And, and the husband thinks about this for a while. And basically, he says, you know, this doesn't really fit into my game plan of life, of how I'm going to become wealthy one day. And I just, I can't really support a, a blind woman and a couple of kids. And so he he leaves Maria Cristina with the two girls and goes off to pursue his dreams. 
she's devastated, uh, and she turns actually to the, a church there in town. And the church says, well, if you will give your money, give all your money to the church, then you're going to receive a blessing. I don't know if you've heard something like that before. Okay? So she gives her money away. All of it. But she didn't receive the blessing. And so she turns to God and says, God, you must not love me, or you might not even be out there. And so she leaves that thought of, God just doesn't love me then. Before long, Maria Christine and her two little girls are living on the streets of Argentina, and the, the country there, and they're just wanderers. And they're wandering from trash can to trash can to try to find a meal every night. And they go and they, they would find the bridge that they would live in. And Maria said that her hands, I don't know if you've ever just gripped something so tightly and for so long, that they were almost crumpled that way because she would hold her little girl's hands. She was scared to death that someone would take these girls away from her. And so every night she would go under the bridge and just try to relax her, her hands. She goes to the town square uh, and uh, she sees that there's some activity happening. There's songs being sung. There's things happening. And she goes and she sits at a park bench with her little girls holding the girls' hands. And uh, she just sees these teenagers. And they're playing games and they're singing songs. And she's hearing these songs about God's love. And, and one of the teenagers comes up to give some, some candy to her little girls and, and a balloon. And they say, you know, we're going to be back. We're going to be back next week at about, about 2, same day at about 2 o'clock. And so now Maria and Christina and her girls, they have something to look forward to. And so she goes, she's so excited about this, her girls are excited about it, she goes to the park, and uh, she's excited about what's going to happen with the, the kids and for her kids, and suddenly, boosh, the clouds just open up, and it begins to pour rain. It's just pouring rain, not just like sprinkles, but cats and dogs kind of rain, Okay. And all of the, the kids from the Church of the Nazarene that was right beside the park, they run inside to the, inside the, to the church. And there's Mar Maria Christina and her two little girls, and she is just standing in the rain. And she looks up to God and she says, God, this is the one thing that I had to look forward to, and you've taken that away too. And then a little girl, a 15-year-old girl, she looks out the window of the church, and she sees this mom and these two little girls. And, and she's just studying her for a while, and she goes and she, she grabs an umbrella. And she runs out into the park. She runs out into the rain with the umbrella, and she says, Ma'am, ma'am, why don't you go home? We're not going to have the, 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 the VBS today. We're not, we're not going to have it today. She says, I have nowhere to go. I don't have a home I've got nothing. And so this 15-year-old girl, she, she takes this woman inside, this blind little woman with her, her two kids, and, and she introduces them to the pastor. And the pastor stops everything. The teenagers were playing ping pong at this point, and she says, hey, everybody. He says, this is Maria Christina. This is her two little girls, and we're going to have vacation Bible school just for them. And so they sing the songs about God's love. They play the games. The girls are just having the, the best time. And Maria Christina and her, her, her little girls, they begin to come to everything at this church. They came to Wednesday night. They came to Sundays. And someone in the church said, you know what? Why are you living? I have a garage. Why are you living on the streets? I'll clean my garage out, and I know it's not a house, but come and live in my garage. And so Maria Christina comes, and she lives in the garage with her two little girls. 
And she's living there, and she's just becoming stronger and stronger in her faith, and she gives her life to Jesus Christ, and she becomes a disciple of Jesus. She puts her faith in Jesus, and she's growing more and more in the Word, and people are discipling her, and people are helping her. And someone says, you know what, the government, I know that they have money for people that are blind, and, and maybe there's some money for you. And sure enough, there was. And so the money started to come in. She, she had money from the government to get food. And then one day she goes to her pastor. And she says, Pastor, I know this sounds crazy, but I just think that the Lord's going to provide a house for me. The Lord's going to provide a place for me to live. And so a few days later, they find out that the government is building a housing complex for those who are in need and disabled. And now Maria Christina has an apartment. And in the day that she's moving in, here is this sweet little blind woman, and she's moving in, and she's so excited, she's decided she's going to have church at her apartment. And so as she's moving in, she can't see people. She's inviting people, hey, come Thursday, we're going to have church in my apartment. And she doesn't know that she's inviting homeless people and people that are doing drugs and people that are prostitutes. And there, he's inviting all these people to church in her apartment. And so the pastor shows up on Thursday, and guess what? There's 40 people in her apartment, and they start to have church there. Okay, today, that church is around 400 to 500 people birthed out of her apartment. But here's where the story gets crazy. Maria Christina one day says to the pastor, Pastor, um, I just feel the Lord telling me to go to Cuba and to minister to Fidel Castro and to share the gospel with him. And of course, the pastor's like, I'm not really sure how God's going to do that. Um, but people start to raise money, and they get behind this dream. They raise about $10,000 for her to send a team down there. And I wish I could show you the picture. I wish I could see the picture. I've only listened to the story. But there was a picture shown by Carlos Roddy of a little blind woman and Fidel Castro holding a Gideon's Bible. She goes back home, and she continues to learn and continues to grow. One day, her husband, remember the husband? He shows back up. I want to see the girls. And what is her reaction? She invites him and his now young girlfriend to come into the apartments with the girls. And she shares the gospel with this, this man, her husband, and this woman. And they get on their hands and their knees, and they pray for forgiveness. And they ask Jesus to come to their life. The man leaves, and, and, and a few months later, he tragically dies. But he never got a divorce from Maria Christina, and now he is a very wealthy man. And so all of his assets are totally transferred to her. And she starts to give it away to people that are blind and to pe for people to hear the good news of the gospel, and to build schools and hospitals in the town there in Argentina. And so she goes to a funeral with Carlos Roddy, the missionary, and says, Pastor, Pastor, will you help me out? I can't see my phone. Will you unlock my phone? And there's a video inside I want you to see. And it's a video of Maria Cristina with the president of Argentina, and she's receiving an award for her benevolence and her goodwill. I gotta be honest, as I hear this story, I, I think, how can this be true? But it is. And as Carlos is telling this story, he says this. Here's the amazing part of this story. Is this a story about a little blind woman 
who got a home, who got a church. Yeah, that's part of the story. Is this a woman who was on the streets but would someday sit down with kings and presidents? Absolutely, that's part of the story. But what this story is about is about a 15-year-old girl that didn't stay inside. And she went out into the darkness with an umbrella. So I say everything that I've said this morning for one reason. Folks, I want to have the heart of that 15-year-old girl. I want to burst the bubbles and the walls and the everything that we put around ourselves and the excuses that we make because there are something far more important in this world. It's our mission. It's our mission. If the worship band will come up, and, and my hope and my prayer is that you will join me in this. And I don't have all the right answers. And I wish that I could say that I, there's just a, a pattern of life. And we're going to talk next week. There's a part two. Next week, we're going to talk about a strategy of how personally and corporately as a church, we can begin to do that. But today is, is just the prayer of this. God, give me that heart. The heart of the church in, in Colossians that was going out and telling people about the gospel. The heart of a 15-year-old girl. The heart of a woman who would begin to invite people to come to church and to tell others, even Fidel Castro, about Jesus. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song. It's one of my favorite songs. It's called Mighty to Save. And I just want to just invite you to pray. You can pray up here. You can pray in your seats. And I would tell you this as well. Maybe today, as you're praying, maybe you would say, I don't know that kind of love. I don't know that kind of light in my life. I, I have a heart that's broken. And I'm living in a broken and a dark world right now. And, and I need Jesus. If that's you, please come. There's a, Pastor Michelle, I'll be down here to pray with you. We'd love to, to tell you about Jesus and to pray with you. But let's take advantage of this time and just, and maybe today you're thinking of faces in your, your mind right now that you just want to lift up that need Jesus. They're in the darkness now. Pray that God would, would use you. You would be the one, that we would be the ones that would reach the lost. So let's sing and let's pray together.